What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Seven Figure Flipping Podcast. This is Bill Allen. On today's show, I have some eight-figure entrepreneur members of mine, Robert and Therese Anderson. Uh, amazing house flippers. They live in Florida. We're in um, Denver before that. Therese is a pretty uh, uh, amazing realtor. She has a great realtor business, and then they've been flipping houses for quite a few years now. And uh, they'll tell their story, but ultimately what they're going to talk about today is some of the ways that you can find um, deals on market right now, some things that newer flippers should be thinking about, newer wholesalers, newer investors, why they should jump in, some some ideas, some tactics, some tips, and some strategies for you guys to get started. And if you're already doing this, you're going to pick up some things on here that can definitely help you, especially in today's market. So I hope you guys enjoy the show. They're absolutely amazing, and I think you're going to get a ton out of it. So I'll... Cue the theme music and we'll come right back with the show with Robert Atreus. My name is Bill Allen and I'm the leader of a group of elite house flippers and wholesalers called Seven Figure Flipping. We don't brag or show off our success, but instead let integrity and stewardship be our guide. We are dedicated to helping people unlock the freedom they desperately need. If you ask other real estate investors, they will say to keep your secrets quiet. But we believe in abundance, not scarcity. And that's why we are the elite. We are Seven Figure Flipping, and this podcast is our playbook. What is up, everybody? We got an awesome show for you today. And if you're a beginner real estate investor, I'm telling you, this is going to be the show for you to listen to. And if you're doing like a couple million dollars, you might want to pay attention too, because these guys um, have have the goods. They know what they're doing. So I've got uh, one repeat offender with me and one new guest. So they happen to be a couple, uh, but I've had Teresa on the podcast before, but Robert tells me he has never been on the show. So he is... Um, he's here with you for the first time and I can't wait to talk to these guys. We're going to have a lot of fun and we're going to give you some really good advice of, um, some lessons learned from some people who are doing a couple million dollars in their business. What would they have done differently or what are some things that they learned so that you don't have to go through it the hard way. You can actually just get it from them on this show in 25 minutes. They're going to save you and your business millions of dollars. Does that sound good? Um, so Teresa and Robert, welcome. Tell everybody a little bit about you guys, who, who you are, and then let's just get right into it. Absolutely. We're Teresa and Robert Anderson. Uh, we're flipping houses in Southwest Florida um, and also doing a couple flips in Colorado. Um, we have four kids who are involved in our business, uh, ages 24 to 16. And that's a little bit about us. And you can tell a little more about the business. Yeah. So we actually started flipping, buying rentals when we were really young, 21 years old. We moved down to Lake Charles, Louisiana, ended up with a, a 16 unit apartment complex, 10 single family houses, got hit by Hurricane Rita back then, sold them, moved back to Colorado, got back into it in uh, 2016, joined the group in 2019, and that really helped us excel our business. Awesome. So 2016 started doing this again, 2019 found seven figure flipping. What was the business like? What have you guys been doing? Give me like a, a growth journey over the last few years. Absolutely. Yeah, just, just one um, at a time. One at a time. Sorry. <laughs> um, I was just going to say, too, we uh, had, you know, when we sold those properties back then, um, we didn't know what we were doing. You know, like when we had sold the properties when we were in our 20s, we had no no support group. And so in 2016, um, Robert decided, hey, we were we were we had an appliance business. Robert decided that, hey, we 
you should get back into flipping again. Um, I really want to get back into real estate again. And so I had my retail license at that time and we started kind of looking at some stuff and I'll let him kind of yeah, take it. There was a little there. more books available in, in 2016 than in 2001. Yeah. <laughs> we had Carlton sheets so back yeah, then. Started with Carlton sheets, no money down. <laughs> but uh, yeah, we were flipping one house at the time, 2016, 17, 18, uh, flipped a fourplex and, and ended up keeping it. We were driving two hours, three hours south of our house so I could flip houses we had the mindset that it was too expensive in Denver. We were living up in the mountains and drove all the way to Southern Colorado. So went to Flip Packin' Live October 2019, joined, moved down to Florida early 2020, bought our first flip in March and just kept buying them. Yeah. yeah it was a pretty, uh, pretty daring time for us to be buying something we thought, um, but without the group, I mean, like, it wouldn't have, we would have, I don't know what we would have done. <laughs> we would have got scared for sure. Yeah. Yeah. You guys joined runway, then you moved to altitude and then to eight figure. What were the, um, what, what was 2020 like? And then just give me some, give, give the audience some idea of what the business looks like. So they know, I, I want them to know who, who's giving them advice, right? Right. Yeah. So Absolutely. 2020, we moved to the Southwest Florida. We didn't know anything about it. I spent the first three months just driving for contractors. I called it stopping at new construction sites, meeting contractors, Talking about pricing, I think we ended up doing five flips that year. Bought 10 and carried over uh, five to the next year. Um, we kind of didn't, you know, really a tumultuous time in 2020. We had just gone on the cruise with you guys, got back from the cruise, and the world, like, shut down. It was crazy. Um, and, I like, during that time, you were, like, telling us, hey, you know what? It's not a bad time. We we were really worried about buying any more because we had like three more that were under contract at that time, and we got very nervous. I was like, man, we should just pull out of these deals. You know, what should we do? We started listening to what was being said in the group about, hey, let's just keep pushing forward with this, and it was the best decision. You're like, get bigger discounts, keep buying. This is the opportunity. There's still a there's still inventory shortage. So yeah, we did. We got you know the, the three that we were under contract on. We reduced reduced our purchase prices on and ended up making a lot of money in those first deals. Okay. Then, 2020 bought five, had 10. Then what happened next? What did you guys keep yeah. doing? So, uh, so then we, uh, then the next year we decided to uh, move to altitude, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, uh, so next year we moved to altitude um, and we bought 17 that year. Um, or no, we bought, I'm sorry. How many do we win? 32. Sorry. <laughs> we bought 32 that year, uh, sold, 17. sold 17 that year. Um, and then, um, last year, last we year. bought 67 properties it was a total of a hundred units. 35 of them were duplexes. So we touched a hundred units last year, carried over this year with 30 and refinanced quite a few of them or rental. We got a 35 unit rental portfolio. So we're keeping as, as much as we can, but selling enough to keep the business healthy. Yeah. Yeah. So. And what's the goal this year? Goal is 150 purchases this year. So just, wow. just under, okay. we're trying to get to 5 million this year, 10 million next year between all the businesses. Awesome. And if it's up to you, Robert, there'll be a hundred businesses by the end of this oh year. My gosh. So yeah. I saw the map. I saw the map. 
Yeah. Um, interesting. You guys mentioned that during COVID. I remember. I remember this. I love that. I love that you are the only ones that said, "Hey, we listen to you." Um, so a lot of people were stopped buying during those three, four, or five months, right? And we were just like, "Look, there. You're not going to have in- any inventory. If you're a full-time house flipper, you really should be buying houses." Right. And mm-hmm. I still I believe in that right now. Like you have to have inventory, um, adjust the numbers, adjust the price, adjust the strategy. But if you're a full time house flipper, you're either going back to your W2 job or you're going to be a full time house flipper. So you decide and you can make money in any market. And so fortunately, we were right. There was no inventory. I had no idea what was going to happen. But you have to like the people that that didn't buy through those three or four months, they had a business six months later that had no inventory. There was nothing on the shelves that they could sell when the market heated up again, right? And so the right. same thing's happening right now. People are scared, they're running away, they're, they're stopping, they're shutting things down, or they're like, I'm just gonna wait and see what's gonna happen. Or the new people that are like, I'm not gonna get in now. The same people <laughs> who are like, I'm, I'm, it's, the market's too hot right now for me to buy are saying, oh, I'm not sure about the market. There's too much uncertainty. I'm not going to jump in now. So uh, yesterday was the best time. Today is the next best time if you didn't jump in yesterday. So I want to preface, especially the questions I'm about to ask you for newer investors or maybe mm-hmm. somebody who's seasoned is going to be listening to this too saying, oh, yeah, I mean, there's going to be tips here for everyone. But if you're slowing down, it might not be the time to slow down. If you're jumping out, it might not be the time to jump out. If you're not willing to jump in, like now is the time. Like real estate is the way. Real estate is the way to financial freedom, period. Like I will argue to tooth and nail with anybody about that. And fortunately, I have guests on that agree with me. So um, what, what would you guys say? So now we, we know, everybody's listening, they know. There's somebody here who's in my eight-figure entrepreneur group. They are making, uh, you know, they want to do five million this year, ten million next year. They're going to buy 150 houses this year. Um, so there's your credibility, right? They have earned or learned this, right? They've had to pay for this kind of information. They've learned it on the streets. That kind of information they're going to give you massively valuable. So, what is, um, what are some things? Like if you could go back in time a little bit, what are some lessons that you learned? And what are some things that, some advice that you would give to some new folks out there who are thinking about getting in or, or maybe they joined the program. Maybe they're in our runway group and they're, they're having trouble getting some traction or something like that. What are some things that you guys saw that, and Therese, you've been a coach, a uh, laser coach for, uh, for a while. And then your daughter is now one of our laser coaches. So what are some of the things that you guys um, would, some advice that you give to the people who are listening? Absolutely. Yeah. If you're not in the mastermind, number one, you know, join the mastermind. That's it, I, it's all about like all the information is already out there, but it's all about just just picking somebody ahead of you and, and, and having them tell you what's working in their business and just just doing it, you know, not second guessing it, just just taking action. Absolutely. So I'll send you guys the check for that. But and I totally agree. Like anybody who's listening, I'm telling you, it, it's obvious Like anybody that I bring on, obviously, they're a part of our mastermind. So they know that you know, hey, it's, it's a great place to be. We're a great community. So we'll make that as an assumption. I think that if people are listening to this, you can go to sevenfigurerunway.com, mm-hmm. drop an application in, talk to our team, see if it's a good fit. But again, you might be at the place where you're just listening to podcasts. Like you just, you're, you're not sure. You're thinking about jumping in. Um, I definitely think it took me a while. It took me a while to accept the fact. And Robert, it took you a while to accept mm-hmm. the fact that we should uh, join a mastermind, pay for this. Um, it, it's, it's not all out there. Like, you, we, we agree. The information is all out there. And a lot of people will say, well, it's all out there. Why would I pay for it? You know? And so right. what is, let's give me some like tactical advice or some things that you guys went through that you could skip the learning curve for some of the folks, especially when you're just getting started. Like you guys like went out and then you came back in um, to real estate, like in 2016, you guys, yeah. 
had sold all those properties, came back in. Um, there's some people out there who are thinking about getting started. They just don't know. I, I don't know. I want some. Adv- I want some advice from you guys, not from me. I give advice to new people all the time. What are some things that you guys would say to folks that are thinking about getting in? I think what really propelled our business was just defining our buy box. You know, we kind of took the the emotional part out of it and we plug it into this little deal calculator that we have. And if it's a certain percentage of it is green, then then we pull the trigger and, and it's just made you know making decisions a lot easier. Absolutely. Absolutely. Also, let's go down that road for a second. What before we we go into the next thing? Like, let's dig into that a little bit because what does that mean to you? A buy box, and and could a wholesaler use that as well as a flipper? Like, what and what are some things that you think about to build that for you guys? Absolutely. So first, we take a look at. what the after we take the okay initial thing get the property right you're looking at analyzing the property first thing that you're going to do is figure out what this property is going to sell for later on down the road and the way that we kind of do that is we take a look at the property properties around it that have sold um, that are in similar condition that we think we're going to uh, go ahead and and be able to sell on the other side and then we also have a little bit of margin built into our calculator that if the market was to shift three or four percent that 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 we have a buffer in there to protect us from rate changes. I mean, it, it saved us from from the rate change that happened. Um, and we uh, we then also uh, take he's really great at estimating rehab. And so I would say start getting with your contractors back that that <clears throat> that was a really big thing is Robert got in with a lot of contractors getting to know contracting prices. So yeah, I mean it's it's all about knowing your numbers. She's an awesome appraiser. Basically, she runs com, comps like an appraiser, and anytime she sells them, she's giving them appraisal packages that, that they're usually finding our value. So yeah. and yeah, just knowing your numbers, knowing your rehab numbers, put it in the box, and then you know it's it's a basically a go or no go box that we make the decision off of. So let me let me add a few things here. If okay. I'm listening to this and I'm brand new. I'm probably like, okay, well, like, but I'm only getting like, I don't have a lot of leads. So, you know, I analyze properties and all this stuff. Like, I don't really know. I I can only get a small amount of practice or no practice at this. Like, I feel like it's the first one that I do. Um, I'm going to answer that real quick. Then I'm going to pass it to you guys. Number one, you can analyze any property anytime. Okay. So you can just sit down and be like, hey, do this is what I used to do. Pretend properties, like fake properties. I would go in to Zillow and I I actually just did a half day masterclass on this about 10 days ago where somebody gave me some city in the middle of, I think it was North Carolina. And I just ran, I ran the comps. I I looked at rehab costs. They, they had pictures of it all and I just went through it and I was off by a couple thousand dollars from what they were going to offer. And so it was very interesting to see, and I haven't done that in a while, so I still have it. But the way that I did that was I just practiced and, and I didn't know if I was right or wrong, but I looked at a house that sold like in my neighborhood and I looked at that price and that value. And then I, I went, I looked at some pictures of other houses and I just started running numbers. I was just practicing on fake properties and it's not like school where you turn in the test and somebody's like, you're right or wrong. The interesting thing on that call was. There were people who were like, oh, that's too much for a kitchen. Oh, that's not enough for the outside. Oh, you're overestimated. Oh, your ARV is wrong. Your rehab budget is wrong. I was like, yeah, none of us can agree. It's not, right. it's, it's, it's an art. It's not a science. And yeah. so the, the, the thing that I'll tell new people is just go practice, like go practice 
on houses that are listed right now on Zillow. You, you have a free resource right there. Go look at one that's listed in your, in your neighborhood or some area that you know and just say, oh, look at the pictures and be like, oh, I'd have to fix this. I'd have to fix this. I'd have to fix this. I go down to Home Depot. I walk through the aisles. I see how much tile costs. I see how much this kind of stuff is. I'd go talk to a contractor and ask them questions. I'd go to a RIA meeting. I'd go into one of these you know, Facebook groups and say, how much does it cost to fix up a kitchen? How much does it cost to do a bathroom? Hey, maybe I put some pictures up there. What would this, do you guys think that this would cost? And I started getting an idea for it. I just started to build like in my head, start understanding bit by bit by bit. And this took a while. And so what do you guys say? Like, can they practice on just random houses? Absolutely. 100%. I mean, the MLS is your oyster, right? There's tons of houses to look at. There's bound to be something that's not fixed up that you could just go in, get your local realtor to get you inside, um, take a look at it. Also have them help you out, kind of understand maybe what they think the the market's going to do in that area. And and also that some of them do have some uh, ideas of like what things are going to cost as well. Um, yeah, have several realtors, you know, kind of dial in. What do you think the ARV is going to be? I mean, agents are an awesome resource. You don't have to marry one, but definitely find <laughs> yeah. a, a good agent in your area that knows what they're doing. A high producing agent that, you know, sees a lot of deals, know where, knows where the market's going. Absolutely. But I well, think the practice so- Go ahead. Yeah. Go ahead. I was just going to say, when I first got out here, I just, I, I was in a, we basically dropped ourselves in a place we didn't know. And we spent a lot of time just driving around, getting to know neighborhoods, understanding what neighborhoods were probably going to be getting the most value and trying to look at those also kind of price points. Um, what was the average, you know, the staying in that little median pr- house price point is a really great place for new investors. Cause that price point is always going to be in demand versus like a, you know, a really expensive luxury home. Yeah, I agree with that. I really encourage a new investor to stay in that, you know, first time home buyer area where there's, where the huge demand is. And, mm-hmm. and also additionally, not go into areas, like look at places where other people are flipping houses. So yeah. most people look at, look at an area, a zip code or certain area where a lot of people are flipping houses and they go, Oh, that, these people have that on lockdown. I'm going to go over here where nobody's flipping because it'll be easier to find a deal. Well, they're all flipping houses there for a reason. Like, right. don't go to the place where nobody's flipping houses. Nobody's flipping houses yeah. over there for another reason, and you just haven't figured it out yet. So yeah. the, where, where there's a lot of, a lot of uh, construction, a lot of things going on, a lot of, uh, a lot of flippers are congregating, there's deals in there for sure. There always will be. But I, I'm telling you right now, that's the place to be because there's a huge demand for it. It's just a supply mm-hmm. and demand equation. Um, Robert, you mentioned, uh, you said don't hire, don't, don't, uh, don't marry a realtor or you don't have to marry a realtor, but you did. Um, but you guys used your, your, your unique powers, right? So Robert, you're great at estimating rehab costs. Therese great at, uh, running ARVs and comps and things like that as a realtor. Um, but how do you find a realtor to work with, especially when you're brand new? So you guys are mentioned like the MLS and getting a realtor to let you in and do those things. Like as a brand new person that has no experience, you probably don't have a lot of money. You haven't figured out the money side, raising capital, things like that yet. How do you talk to that realtor with confidence or find somebody? Because I, I don't know, maybe maybe I'm wrong, but I don't know if the person who's doing hundreds of houses a year is going to take the time to kind of work with and look and, and, and spend time with a new investor who wants to go see a bunch of houses and isn't making a lot of offers. What right. would you advise on that? I, I definitely look for, I would look for an agent who maybe has investment properties themselves 
um, because they're going to understand the market a little bit better. Um, new agents are great too, because they, they're excited to go show you homes and they just want to get their foot in the door. So that's kind of nice because you'll be able to see a lot of homes with them and they're, they'll really dedicate to like trying to help you get through the deal because they want that commission. Um, but, uh, but if you can find someone who does have a little bit of investing background or they have some rental properties, and maybe not the biggest guy, you know, maybe not the biggest agent in town, but maybe middle of the road type agent who's got, you know, some investment properties themselves, they're going to also be able to guide you a little bit through that first transaction um, with a lot of confidence. And I think that's something you're, you're going to want as a first time investor too, because if that person understands the market, they're not going to want to, they want your repeat business. So they want you to go and use them again the next time that you go out and start looking for homes. Yeah, I think that's great advice. Um, sometimes a, a brand new investor combined with a brand new agent is like the blind leading the blind. So right. um, I agree with you, Therese. Just be careful a little bit on that. Um, where's a good place to find that that agent who might have some investment properties and might be willing to work with you or or um, or help you out? Um, some of the bigger brokerages, you can call them the lead broker and just ask them who in your office specializes in investment properties. And most of those brokerages are going to give you a couple names you can go talk to and I'd interview them. I'd interview a couple agents, probably four agents to see who I felt had the most confidence. So what would you ask them? I would ask them um, how long they've been doing this. How many uh, properties, real estate properties did they own? How did they come about their numbers to get their, uh, to get their properties? What, what things were they using? Uh, also, do they have a list of contractors that um, you could, use um uh we used a, a a local friend of ours who was a property manager to help with uh, getting our first list of contractors um we went and talked to her and kind of interviewed her because <laughs> we knew eventually we'd want to do property man you know have somebody have rental properties out here and she turned into a wealth of information on getting us also contractors that we could use for uh for the property that's so. a great advice um I'm not somebody, I don't like to talk on the phone a lot. And so th that makes me really kind of nervous and scared, uh, calling a brokerage and then interviewing a bunch of people on the phone. Um, the, the way I did it in the beginning was I went to some local RIA meetings and I mm. went in some of the forums, the online internet forums. So like uh, free forums, like our free Facebook group, Seven Figure House Living and Wholesaling, maybe you have somebody in there who's an agent around your area or one of our members. Um, and then I would find other investors and just kind of try to like, sit down with them. I actually remember taking one, when I moved here to Nashville, there was a guy in Nashville that did a lot of business in Chattanooga. I saw him at a local RIA meeting and he was like talking about Chattanooga and being a lender there and building apartments and stuff. And so I, I just talked to him afterwards. I had, I had a business at that point that was you know, sizable and profitable. And so I could hold my own in conversation with somebody like that, but we met for coffee. I don't drink coffee. I don't go to coffee. I really, but I sat down with him and I just asked him about every single zip code in Chattanooga. And he gave me the, the layout of every single zip code of where I should be and shouldn't be. And, um, so like meet up like that or an online forum or uh, Facebook groups or things like that are just really great. You do have to sift through the people who have no mm -hmm. idea what they're talking about. Yeah. Um, but that, that's another piece of advice is like going to local meetup groups and you'll see who the, who the kind of power players are, like the, um, the, the group, what I love about our mastermind group is it's like, everybody's a power player, right? So they all been kind of like vetted. And so, you know, that, um, they can give you some advice or give you some good, good referrals. The other thing to be careful of in those groups is like, if you get a list of contractors, it might be like their B or C team. 
because they're not going to give you their A their A team. So, um, but what I heard from Therese is this is a another property manager who has uh, a vested benefit in making her helping her win, and mm-hmm. and you probably built rapport, you probably built a relationship before you started asking and asking and asking and asking. So don't go in and just take 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 take. So if you're brand new, you should always be like leading with service. How can I help you? And in return, I can get some support and help as well. So that's always my push for anybody who's brand new or newer is go in there and be like, look, I, you know, what can I do to help out your business? You know, and how can I help you? Because I'm going to be asking for some stuff. So as a realtor, they want commission. They want to get paid, right? So how can I make sure you get paid? So how, if you're serious, then go in there. And that's what I did. I said, look, if, if you send me the listing and, and you find the deal and I buy it, I'll, I'll list it with you on the back end too. I'll buy it on the front end and, I'll, and you can sell it for me on the back end. And I've, I've always done that. And Absolutely. this is a huge benefit. They get two commissions instead of one. They want to work with a flipper more than they want to work with a, a home buyer, potentially. And I wasn't just making like 50 million blind offers on the MLS nonstop at 30%, 30 cents on the dollar. Yeah. So what's the best way to work with an agent like that? Is that it? Do you have any other advice, um, Therese or Robert, for when you guys work with agents? Um, I think that... That is amazing. Like if an agent can get paid twice, they're super happy to help you out. We've had people, um, even we've we've offered that as well too to other agents. And and you know, hey, listen. Also, tell them, you know, listen. Bring me something that you don't that isn't MLS worthy. So like um, that was a really big conversation for us in um, going into some of the real estate offices. Is like, hey, listen. If you have something that's ugly let us take that property and, and give us an option or we're, we'll be your cash buyer. Um, a lot of agents walking into their listing appointment, um, you know, they they always get asked, I, I can't even tell you the number of times I've been asked, you know, like, oh, well, do you think I'm gonna get a cash offer? Well, I mean, tell that that investor, new investor should say, or even a seasoned investor should be in, in talking to agents saying, hey, listen, let me be your cash buyer. If you think the house needs a cash offer or the seller wants a cash offer, send that deal to me and let me run my numbers and I'll be your cash buyer. You know, um, that, that was something that really was a really big benefit to a lot of agents in our office, especially after the hurricane we just went through. Um, they could say to, uh, to their client, listen, I know your house is destroyed. I've got somebody who can come in and help and make this offer. It's, you know, this is, it's going to be really hard to sell this on the MLS or get it moving. Um, and I trust these people. And so that was, that for us was huge the last couple months. So. Awesome. I don't think you guys mentioned it. Where are you located? Maybe that that would be a good uh, contact. Uh, Cape Coral, Florida, that got a direct hit from the hurricane. Yeah. So Southwest, we flip all the way from Naples to St. Pete now. Okay. Um, what is, what's some other things? What are some other uh, tips or tricks that you guys have for some newer investors or people who are, I don't know, maybe they're stuck. Maybe they're stuck right now in, in their business and um, not not being able to grow or push through the market that they see right now. I just I think there's lots of opportunity on MLS right now. You know, that's kind of where we're going. We're trying to buy two houses a week this month. So, you know, if we if our acquisitions team doesn't lock them up, then we're just going out to the MLS, putting in lots of lots of offers. So, I mean, just use this. I mean, I think anybody who wants to buy houses right now can. There's, you know, plenty. There's plenty to go around. Absolutely. So what's some what's some like more tactical advice that you would give for people that are then, you know, shifting their strategy from direct to seller to an MLS type? Uh, business. What are some things that you guys are looking for on the MLS? What kind of search criteria? What 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 do your offers look like? What are some of the 
the wording that you're putting in there to try to get it accepted? Yeah. So for the new listings, we're, we're trying to see them and we'll, we'll put our earnest money hard. So if, if you're going to do that and you're a new investor, make sure you take a contractor with you. But, you know, we'll, we'll put in like ten twenty thousand dollars $20,000 hard if we really want the deal. And then for listings that have been on the market for over 15 days, we're putting out blanket offers with, in, with inspections. Okay, so let me just put a, put some uh, context to that. So when he says like hard earnest money, it means non-refundable. They're putting a non-refundable deposit down, basically. Um, so there's no contingency. Like, hey, if we don't if we don't buy this thing, you get to keep our ten thousand or twenty thousand or whatever you guys are putting down. So they're confident. They're new. They're uh, experienced investors that can walk through a property and see those things. Um, if you're brand new, I would uh, would caution you against some of that stuff. Um, no, but, but look, it's all. The, your whole strategy—it's all—it's all about um, making your offer uh, strong, right? So right. I've done this in the past, this, and I, I wouldn't suspect that these are sight unseen houses that you guys are putting hard, earnest money down. You're probably going to look at them first, or yeah, yep, yeah, we're definitely looking we're looking at them. Yeah. Okay. So. so we're going to look at it, putting a hard earnest money down, and it just makes your your offer more attractive. It makes you sound serious, like they th- oh, this person's going to close, right? We're not just we're not putting a 30 day inspection contingency on there. We're going to give you a whole laundry list of things. Um, they're trying, they're probably, they're probably trying to reduce the purchase price by getting a hard earnest money down. So if I can say, well, I know that I'm giving you $50,000 less than your asking price, but you're getting $20,000 if I walk away from this. So I'm going to close this number I'm sending you. There's a very, very high likelihood. I'm $20,000 in the hole. If I don't, if I don't do what I say I'm going to do. If I don't close it, can I, am I assuming right? That's what you guys are doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. And we're we're not embarrassed to make an offer. If we if we go view the property, we're going to write it. So I mean, we we've got some at one hundred twenty thousand under the asking price. Yeah, and I would say that to new agents, uh, new investors as well. Don't don't be afraid to make that offer. If you go out and see that property, and you've had that time to like run those numbers. Don't be embarrassed that your offer is significantly less, especially if that person has been on the market for 21 days or more. You are probably their only offer right now. Yeah, basically, you, that's what it all comes down to is just making offers. It's, right. And you don't know. We've had some that um, they didn't tell their realtor that they wanted a price reduction or they'd take less. You know, they just wanted to see what would happen or, you know, or maybe their realtor isn't communicating with them. So, you know, we've unfortunately had that situation. We had one where the realtor wasn't communicating. They contacted us through a mailer and we got the price, I think, $120,000 lower than what their MLS price was. So. And for context, this isn't like a million dollar house, right? That you're getting for $120,000 house. Yeah. Okay. Yep. So we're talking about like a 20 to 20% price drop. So, um, First of all, you guys are like some of my favorite guests because you keep like repeating some of the stuff that I've been teaching for years that I've been like beating this drum forever wondering if anybody's listening. So I'm just going to give you the microphone. It's going to be Seven Figure Flipping uh, podcast with Teresa Robert from now on. I absolutely love it. I can just retire today. Um, the, the make an offer, if you're going to do the work and you're going to go out and look at the property and you're going to run the numbers, you have to make an offer. It doesn't matter what yeah, it is. I've been, I've been teaching this for years. I've been really pushing this because, and this goes for wholesalers. I hear it all the time. It's like, ah, like the wholesalers listed too high. Um, I can't buy any deals from this wholesaler. I'm going to unsubscribe from their list. It's like the worst decision you could ever make because as a wholesaler, sometimes I don't have a single offer, no offer. So I have the house under contract. I have no offer. I have no feedback. I have no idea if I'm way too high, if I'm just a little bit off, 
if I was $15,000 lower, I'd, I'd be able to find the buyer. And I can't go back to the seller with anything. Like I have no confidence walking in and renegotiating the contract unless I'm going to buy it, which sometimes I do. But for you guys, if you're a flipper, you might be the only person that made the offer to the wholesaler. And now the wholesaler has has an offer that they can take back to the seller and they know what they can make. They have to negotiate their, their fee in. So this is great advice. I absolutely love it. Um, what are some other things? Like what are some things that you're looking for on the MLS? Are there keywords? Are there search criteria? Do you have other agents out there looking for you guys? Like what do you recommend to somebody who wants to go find some properties on the MLS? Because that's going to be the lowest out-of-pocket expense for them right now. Right. We, we do have other agents looking for us too, be honest, and we'll give them, you know, we'll let them take that buyer's commission. Um, so that's amazing uh, for that agent. Um, and we just let them know it just needs to be something that needs to be rehabbed um, that, you know, um, uh, that will kind of fit in our buy box. We kind of explain to them what we're looking for. Uh, typically that middle of the road house um, is what we're looking for on that. Yeah. So anything we can add value to we're looking at, I mean, we're buying a lot of 2006 houses that, would go traditional financing, but you know, they're just not getting top dollar. So we just, you know, offer what we can and go from there. Okay. So if you're listening to this, um, establishing your buy box, starting understanding what you're looking for, then go out and, and start talking to people, start networking with people and find some folks to be out there and, and kind of help you look for that, help dial in some of your numbers. And you don't have to be perfect. What do you guys think? Were you perfect in running ARVs, uh, estimating <laughs> rehab costs? Were your budgets like spot on? Uh, and are no, they still? Absolutely not. No, at the beginning it was, you know, we made ourselves, we had a big pro at the beginning, we wanted a really big profit margin when we went to talk to people about what we were willing to offer. So that way, if we did mess up and we missed it, like, oh man, there's like a whole sewer line that's got to come out of here and that's 10 grand. It wasn't going to be detrimental to us and we weren't going to go in the hole. So um, we, you know, we kind of got the deals as deep as we possibly could. And then um, we also gave ourselves like a little bit of a cushion, three to four percent. And we do that to this day, three to four percent below just to kind of make sure that like, hey, that's still in there built into our, our calculator. Um, so we don't get bit by, you know, now we're making more risky uh, offers. So just, just still keeping that three to four percent in there. So that way um, we don't get bit in the end, too, by something that comes up that we could, didn't see or somebody missed on inspection. Okay. Um, okay. So we've got running the numbers and then we've got um, going out there and looking at the MLS for something that might be uh, distressed. So realizing that we have to add value, we have to force appreciation. Like as a flipper, you're forcing appreciation into a property based on usually fixing up the property to um, more like current market level conditions and things that people want. Um, what so, and I want to, I want to just talk about the difference a little bit. So if you're going directly to the seller, if you're going directly to the seller, you have, you have to find distress in the seller. It's not always distress in the house. Now, if you're going on the MLS side of things, unless you can figure out that the seller's distressed through the agent, somehow the agent knows they want to cash off or they're distressed, you're probably looking for distressed houses. Would you guys agree with that? 
Yes. Yeah. Because um, you're seeing the pictures of the photos, maybe in the writing somewhere, it's, it says something in the description or write up or, or in the financing terms, it's cash only in the financing. There's certain ways that you can look and, and search the MLS for these things, but it, it might say handyman special or as is, or these kind of things that you're looking for, but you're really looking for a distressed house primarily on the MLS. And then when you're off market, you're looking for a distressed seller. I've bought many houses that have been in perfect condition, like like better than perfect condition, almost brand new construction, because the seller is distressed. There's something going on with the seller when you go direct. So that's the caveat that I want to give for this is most people that are brand new to this or just getting going, they think that it has to be a distressed house. It's not true. It is just not true. And I bet sometimes you guys have found actually distressed sellers on the market um, or, or referrals or leads that have come to you. Would you guys agree with that? Yeah. yeah. We got two right now that we just listed one last week, going to list a, it's a 2018 house. We, we replaced the carpet with tile just because the market, but yeah, we could have just, we're, we we're kind of addicted to flipping them. I don't, we don't really like selling them <laughs> for some yeah. dumb reason, but. Yeah. Um, Put about 10 and what grand. was going on? What was going on with that seller? Can you guys share, uh, share the story a little bit? What happened? Yeah. The seller had a, um, had another offer from somebody else. Um, the offer fell through. She approached us with what you know they had offered her, um, and the numbers didn't quite work for us. Um, I said, you know, hey, listen, um, we can we're close, but not there. Um, I said, you know, I, I hate to give you this offer the way this is because I know you know I'm sure you were expecting this, but I gave her the number that we could work with her on and get her to her time frame. She wanted to be out of that house within 17 days. She had to be out of there. She already had put um, a deposit down on another house and just was willing to accept what, what she needed to get out of the house. Um, so we were able to come up with that. It was a light rehab. Um, we did carpet, like Robert said, we took out the carpet, put tile and did some siding and we just listed it this weekend. So a lot of, off, a lot of showings this weekend too on it, so. Nice. And, and that's what you'll see, especially when somebody has been under contract for 30 to 45 days and it falls out right before closing and they got their entire life set up. They've gone to found another house, they have their whole life plan, they, they have moving trucks planned, it's all done and then your house falls out of contract. So immediately mm -hmm. you're like, hey, can, can I keep this time? What is it gonna cost me to keep my timeline, to keep my plan? Because then you put it back on the market, it's gonna be another two, and, and who knows how long it took to get that first buyer in the door, right? Take another month, right. and then it's another 45 days, and then who's to say that this isn't gonna happen again? Imagine the person that that's happened twice to, or three times yeah. to, and they're just getting beat up and beat up and beat up, wondering if they're ever gonna sell it. And so now you're like, okay, well, hey, knight in shining armor, you come in and put it under contract for a price that they're willing to accept, and there you go. So this is, um, this is, if, if you can go out there and you can look for some of those and set up systems and processes around it, then you can find deals, uh, especially right now. People are complaining right now, oh, that there's no inventory still, the sellers aren't willing to accept the price that I've got. The real question is, how many offers have you made? Right. Because 100%. you might have made one and they didn't accept it and now you're saying nobody will accept your offers. Like, how about you right. go make 20 a week? Right, I think we're, we're between 10 and 15 offers on the MLS before we get one accepted. So, I mean, um, we were like a year and a half ago, probably about 10 offers a week before we'd get one accepted. So, um, so just, it's, it's continuously writing those offers and running those numbers. I mean, that's, that's really the big key to it. So. And taking action and going and getting started, like jump in, do something, make an offer, get it accepted, go through the pro get a contractor, come out and bid it. 
and have an inspection period. If you don't like the bid, if it doesn't work, if the numbers come back way off from what you expected, cancel the contract. Go do it again. Like, what's the worst that can happen here? Don't put $20,000 hard earnest money down in the very beginning when you have no idea what an air conditioner (laughs) is going to cost or a roof is going to cost or some tile is going to cost. And and go out there and and practice. Um, So here's the thing. I I heard this quote this week. Um, So practice doesn't make perfect. Perfect practice makes perfect. And so the reason why I say this quote is, is not the fact that I think you're going to have perfect practice because you're not, but your ultimate, your goal is not to be perfect. Like in the beginning, you don't have to be perfect. You still don't have to be perfect. You guys aren't perfect now. I'm not perfect. But in the beginning, like any practice will do any practice will do because perfection is not the result. Now, that quote is specifically around doing things the right way. So now, when you start doing more and more reps, and you start like what you guys are doing right now, Therese and Robert are doing, if you're listening to this, they, they want perfect practice now. They want to dial in their numbers so that they can make some more risky offers. They can really start scaling their business. They can, they can hit a point where they might lose on two houses but make money on the other 95 or 100, 140. Eight that they're going to do this year, right? And so now they want perfect practice. They want to learn from the right mentor. They want to learn from the right group. They want to have this perfect practice and so that they can become closer to perfect, as close as perfect as we're going to get in this business, right? And so for you guys that are out there, it's just like practice, 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 practice. And you don't have to be perfect. You just have to make progress. And I, we, we had a presentation this last week by Dr. Benjamin Hardy on the gap in the gain. So him and Dan Sullivan wrote this book. And and it's like living in the game means that you're looking back on where you were before and seeing the progress that's happening. And so a win is progress. It's simple progress. Like what he was talking about is, is I'm not the same person as I was when I started this podcast. Like at the end yeah. of this podcast, I can sit down and go, man, I didn't really get anything accomplished today. Or I can go, oh man, I just had this awesome podcast. It's going to change a few people's lives. There's going to be somebody who's going to get started because they listen to Robert and Therese and myself today. This was a huge win. Like I'm living in the gain. I'm living in the gain right now and it's been 35 minutes. So 35 minutes, I'm different than I was when I started. I learned something from them. They learned something from me. Like we're different people. We made progress over this 40 minutes. And you can do the same thing if you just say yes and start taking action and take a step and another step and another step and look back and don't measure yourself on what hasn't happened. Measure yourself on how far you've come. And, and the future you, he wrote another book called Your Future Self. So your future self is going to look back and say, thank you for making that progress for me because now it's exponential. So what Robert and Teresa are looking back now and seeing themselves in 2019 saying yes to a seven-figure runway and their future self is thanking them for making that decision years before, three years before, right? Four years before. Right. So if they said did nothing and they left that place, they'd be somewhere, but I bet they wouldn't know that the, their future self, their potential future self is where they are right now, which is light years past probably where they ever thought that they would be. Would you agree? Oh, we couldn't even imagine without where we'd be. Yeah, I definitely need to take that advice. It's, I do it all the time. I'm like, man, it's just nothing's going fast enough and not my weekly goals. And I didn't get two houses under contract last week. And But yeah, just looking back, this three-year game. But here, let me give you, let me give you the, the advice that he gave me. So if you think about this, your future self. So here's the aha that I had on the future self. He said, um, specifically, he said, you know when you get home from work and you're like tired and worn out? And your kids want to play with you and you're like, man, I just need some time to just like sit down on the couch and relax. Like I'm just going to go hide down here. I'm not going to play for a little while. I'm just going to sit and relax. 
He says, the way that you can totally shift everything is think about your future self when your kids are 20 years old <laughs> and, and, and ask yourself then, would that person want to take a break right now or would they want to go play with the kids? Right. Because you're never going to get this back. You're never going to get this back. So your future self is always going to push you to do the, the kind of, to, to do the things that you really are going to enjoy having done in the future. And so I was like, wow, that is a huge concept for me. Yeah. Like, holy crap. Because my kids are little right now, eight, six, and five. And sometimes when I get home, I'm like, oh man, I just want to hide here for a little bit. I'm totally worn mm -hmm. out. But, but 10 years from now, right? My kids are going to be 18, 16, and 15. And they're not going to be hugging on me and wrestling with me and playing with me. And they're going to be probably not wanting to be around me. And I'm going to wish that they just, I could be where I was right now. So same thing in your business. It's like when, when there's that thing that you're like, you know what? Like, I know I need to do this, but I'm just, I'm struggling to do it. I'm getting distracted doing something else. Think about your future self going back and saying, Hey, if you get this done, this is where you're going to be in the future. And so if you can live in that and really think about the exponential growth that's going to happen, he's like, you cannot even fathom where you're going to be 10 years from now. Well, like yeah, no. insane with the, and it's, you're going to thank yourself a hundred times over for the work that you're putting in today. That thing that you're doing right now, that little thing that seems little like Robert, you getting two houses under contract, that little thing is going to propel you so much further in the future. It's crazy. And so put in that, that work today when it gets a little bit tough or it gets a little bit challenging or you're like stuck or I don't want to push any further. It's like, think about that, that the future you that you cannot even recognize, like there's, you can't even fathom what's possible in the future today. So, and, and living in that gain by, it's, it's like a combination of this gap and gain that I see, this future self. So these are like stacks of his books. If you take the gap in the game, these guys also wrote Who Not How, if you've read that or heard of that. So you take the gap in the gain, you stack it with this future self concept, and then they just wrote a new book called 10X is easier than 2X That's that I have a couple copies of that's not out yet, but it's crazy. This 10X concept, 10X is easier than 2X is like, wow. Like the fact that you have to basically remove 80% of the things that you're doing right now to get to that 10X level. And it's actually easier to do that because you're, he, he talked about um, this famous quote that's like, um, perfection is not when there's nothing left to add, it's when there's nothing more to remove. And so it was like pretty eye-opening for me. He talked about the David um, and, and some of these some of these different concepts of just like removing things to give space and clarity for where you're going in the future. So um, really cool stuff, uh, things that I'm thinking about and working on right now personally. But uh, hopefully all this stuff was helpful for you guys that are listening. Like uh, hopefully it's some tips, some strategies. I like that we kind of, we built off of a process of how you guys are looking for houses, buying houses, especially in today's market. Um, the fact that somebody else is out there having success hopefully pushes you if you're listening to this to say that you can have success too. And they're not the only ones, by the way. I have many friends that are still having success. I have people, hundreds of people that I don't know, thousands of people that I don't know, flippers, wholesalers, people that are doing great right now in today's market and you can too. You just have to get out there and do it. You have to get out there and take action. You have to get out there and make some offers. You have to get out there and practice. It doesn't have to be perfect practice. You're not looking for perfection. You're just looking for progress. So, um, okay, before we go, Robert, Therese, any save rounds or, or anything else that you guys have that I missed? I was just going to say let other people help pull you up. You know, when we joined the group, that's what, you know, that's how we got here was we just let, you know, people who had been there before us help us and, and, you know, I think now we're, we're, we're getting to the point that we'd like to help other people get to 
where we're at. It's it's really cool. You know, it's, it's an abundant world we live in, and there's just tons of opportunity. Absolutely. Absolutely. I would say also to one thing is being a married couple and doing this business together. If you are out there doing that is don't forget date night. I always remind, uh, <laughs> I always remind flippers of this too. And, and any entrepreneur really is, is just remember to also foster that, that relationship. Um, uh, just so that way, you know, that's what we're doing this for. So also to make sure to remember throwing a date night and no business talk, that type of thing too, is also a really good good advice for someone who's putting a lot into this, um, uh, just going forward. So. <laughs> I love it. That's great advice. And I'm glad you said no business talk. Cause I thought maybe date night would be like home Depot or Lowe's or something <laughs> like that, where you're going out and pricing things. But, for a year, that's what our first year, that was date night. So yeah, absolutely. And then like the next year I was like, you know what, we, we actually need to go to dinner without talking about business or anything else. <laughs> So. Yep. I remember going to Lowe's and Home Depot with Lucy and pricing out everything. And, and, and we, we enjoyed it. Like she was picking out tiles and things like that in the beginning of, of this whole journey and helping me paint and all that stuff and be a part of it. So, um, so I wouldn't, I wouldn't beat yourself up if that's it. And you guys are both really enjoying that, but at some point, like, right, it, it does become more work than it is fun. And when that happens, then, uh, go to dinner or go to a movie or do those things. And so those things become more like work than fun and then go find the next thing and the next thing. And, and just, I, I'd say open up and be honest with, uh, with your partner, uh, you know, and, and you're right. Don't miss those, those kind of needs. Uh, I don't know. Anything, I, we don't work together, my wife and myself. Um, so I kind of like go to the mastermind to, to get my work and my camaraderie in the entrepreneurial world. And then I go home for, uh, diaper changing, uh, cooking, cleaning, and, um, and, and hanging out. And then me and my wife go, to, on vacation and things like that when we need some time and spend some time together. So very intentional about that, like quarterly vacations and retreats. Um, okay, how can people find out more about you guys or, or what is there a need that you guys have? Do you need like millions of dollars? Do you need more deals? Um, do you need more contractors? Do you need all of the above? And then how can they reach out to you if they have some of that stuff or, or they can help you guys? Well, I would say all of the above is always great. We're always looking for talent too. Also, we're hiring, so always looking for talent as well. Um, and lenders, uh, we'd love to partner with some other people as well, too. That's yeah, so Robert at Coastal Mountain HB, short for homebuyers.com. And she's homesbytreece at gmail.com. We're both on Facebook. Feel free to reach out. We're happy to have a conversation. Cool. We'll put that in the show notes. We'll drop it in the emails, places like that, that you guys can see it. So if you're listening to this on any podcast apps, anything like that, you drop down the show notes, they'll have their information and how you can get in touch with them. Um, they're also in the mastermind. They also attend all our events. So come to Flip Hacking Live, um, come to Multifamily Live, come to a mastermind, go to sevenfigurerunway.com and fill out an application to join us. Um, they will be involved. Their daughter will be uh, coaching people inside of Runway. It's really amazing to see what's happening in there. So I'm grateful to be connected to you guys. I'm grateful that you came out in 2019 to Flip Hacking Live and decided to take the leap with us. Um, I'm really, I'm really proud and impressed by you guys. It's been a really fun journey to watch. And I've been living in the gain of your life for the last like four years, just watching the growth. And, um, it's kind of like the grandparents that come to see their kids, you know, their grandkids, they only see them like every few months and you can see how much they've changed, but you guys are like the kids or the parents that can't even see any change. And you're like, 
what are you talking right. about? I'm like the exact same that I was um, six months ago or a year ago when it's not even close to true. Like it is insane. Even the call that we did, the financial call just a couple of years ago, um, I've seen tremendous massive growth since then. And it's only been probably a year, year and a half, something like that. I have a real tough judge of time, but we can do another one tomorrow. So I get to see how far you've come uh, from those. So it's really cool to see. And so if you're out there listening to this, like a lot of times you, you don't see the progress, but you're on a hero's journey, you're on a path and you really are changing massively. And just like Dr. Benjamin Hardy said, your future self is going to thank you for all the work and all the things you're putting in now. So just because just the fact that you're listening to this, this kind of show, these kind, this kind of information, kudos to you. You are in the, the top 1%. You're the 1% of the 1%. And um, you really are kind of the crazy ones and the entrepreneurs that will change the world for the better. So uh, I'm thankful for you. And Therese and Robert, I appreciate the time today. Thanks for coming out and spending time with me. Um, and for those that are listening, I know you got a lot of things that you could be listening to, a lot of things you could be doing. Thank you guys for listening to the show. I'll see you on the next one. And leave us a rating and review. Share the show. If this was your favorite show ever, take a screenshot, post it all over your social media. Tag me, tag Robert, tag Therese. Show them some love and uh, tell them how awesome they are. I'll see you guys on the next one. Bye. Bye, guys. Bye. Right, thank you. Thank you.